Alright, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Manga for Dummies Podcast. And unfortunately, it is going to be another solo episode, mainly because um, I believe some of us are traveling, others are uh, hard at work, and we just haven't been able to get together. That said, we will be finishing off Legend of the Northern Blade soon, so please stay tuned for that. But today, I have a topic, and it is going to be just myself, it's going to be a ramble episode, and uh, I don't know, some people might like B, some people might not. But I have something here that is actually near and dear to my heart, because I love these products. Now, what I wanted to talk about are indeed anime and manga card games. So, I'm a huge card game fan in general. Uh, I've dabbled in pretty much every card game that has come out in the last... Well, every named card game that you could actually get a hold of um, in the in the past, like, years. So, you know, I played Magic the Gathering. I played Yu-Gi-Oh! I played some Dragon Ball, some Digimon, some Pokemon. Um... And uh, even some other like WoW and stuff like that. Even I actually never played the the video game WoW. I, I played some of the card game. Uh, but in that sense, uh, I, I do take pride in my you know my my look, my knowledge of card games in general. I played on a you know I'm not the best in any of those card games, but I usually pride myself in being in that like upper twenty percent maybe of uh, of card game players. So. You know, I've, I've hit uh, Mythic on Magic Arena, I've hit uh, Platinum or Diamond, depending on whatever season it was in Master Duel, and uh, Hearthstone, Legend of Ruterra, all those games I usually try and hit the highest rank possible, the highest like tier possible, without necessarily being like, uh, you know, running for first in the world. But yeah, that's, you know, this is just a information dump. I'm not trying to, you know, this, is, this isn't something I'm necessarily proud of because I've wasted a ton of time and a ton of money on card games. But what I want to talk about today was that I feel there's actually a large amount of um, anime card games coming back and, and regaining some sort of popularity. And for those who don't know, this isn't the first time there has been card game properties based on uh, based on you know existing titles of animes and mangas, so the one that brought to my attention was uh, One Piece. Uh, one Piece has its own TCG that celebrated its anniversary, and it's been going pretty well with a decent amount of hype. And uh, the reception, at least so far, has been pretty good. I've only looked at the cards; I haven't really played them yet because I don't have them in my possession, and I've been trying to taper off on my card game addiction in general. So I'm probably not gonna play it on any serious level. But they're cool-looking cards, and the rules look interesting enough. So I want to go through pretty much like a history lesson of card games, and more specifically, I'm gonna focus a lot on the manga side because you'll see there's a lot of card games that are based on cartoons or, or film media, that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, it would be too long of an episode to talk about those, so I'm really going to focus more on the anime and manga side. But because of how the story is going to be structured, we have to talk about some stuff that aren't anime related. So yeah, so the story of these trading card games, or actually more specifically, it would probably be called collectible card games, because a lot of them don't actually want you to trade, because if you trade cards, then you actually don't let the the company make as much money as possible because you're not buying more products. If they're collectible card games, then they are able to use that money to do pretty much, you know, the idea would be that you just keep buying from them only. So yeah, so that is essentially the difference between a trading card game and a collectible card game. And 
for the very first major collectible card game, so card games in general have, you know, existed probably as long as humans have any sort of consciousness. Uh, you know, whether it be something more, something more like complex, like poker, or something uh, a little bit more kid-friendly, or for example, like Goldfish. Um, but card games are really old. But collectible card games and these trading card games are actually a relatively new phenomenon. And I would say the first real card game that uh, people would actually go around collecting and playing with them is actually Magic the Gathering. Um, so Magic the Gathering is probably the first big property, which is an American property. Uh, this is by far the, the most storied uh, card game of all time. Even though at certain points and peaks, it's maybe not the biggest. I think generally speaking, the with its history and everything, it is still number one. Uh, I played the game. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I, I enjoy the game a lot. I think it's rather creative. But one, I feel like the company itself is kind of going down downhill. And two, I don't actually enjoy playing with the people. So I think Magic does have a people problem. But yeah, so Magic the Gathering from around 1993 and... Uh, to 1999 pretty much stabilized itself as the premier card game so if you think of card games the same way uh you know it's for some people if you say i'm gonna go play cards at the casino their brain is either gonna be blackjack or pokers and in that sense when you said i'm gonna play a trading card game during 1993 to 1999 you will probably be meaning magic the gathering uh, so it was a really popular the rules were set it were creative the art is some people are nostalgic for the art. I think it's okay. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, the the old cards, the art, ain't, ain't all there. But you know, it's it's a creatively done, and and the rules are neat, and it's well thought out. So, where anime and manga actually first comes into play in the realm of card games is actually with Pokemon. So, Pokemon in around 1999 to 2003 I want to say had like this incredible hype it was uh, some call it a fad but you know with but uh, generally speaking if we look back at how Pokemon has evolved since then I think it's more of a trend than anything else so Pokemon was the the talk of the town uh, you could find Pokemon like merchandise everywhere during that time even in the West uh, which is what really special um, so if, if you, some of you are, are more on the younger side, I suggest you just like type in Pokemon like news, um, like 2000s or something, and you'll find like some really neat, <laughs> just like news articles and uh, news anchors talk about like how Pokemon has done this or Pokemon done that. So yeah, Pokemon was riding that, uh, that hype and actually outsold Magic Gathering for the first time ever. Now, between 1999 and 1993, so 1999 was when Pokemon came in and Magic the Gathering came out in 1993, uh, obviously it's not like Magic the Gathering was the only one there. So there were actually new uh, properties and new card games being introduced, including like the Star Trek and the Star Wars anime, uh, not anime, sorry, the Star Wars and Star Trek like card games. But those, although, you know, there's an existing fan base, it never actually made it past whatever is, uh, whatever Magic the Gathering would make so you know of course some of it, it, it a lot of the card games the problem is that they rely on some level of nostalgia and some level of just like fandom and there's actually like not much substance if we look past like just owning the cards a lot of them just want you to own the cards 
and hypothetically they just want you to like lock it up it's in some room or in some case and just look at them or something a lot of them don't actually have like a good point to 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 the cards they just they just are there and pokemon what was interesting is that it was both a card game and it was collectible so it, was, it looked cool and you can actually play with them so it's one of the reasons why uh the the early 2000s or you could definitely go back and listen to those videos uh, watch those videos about how pokemon was on the playgrounds all the time so pokemon another thing that was key is that even though magic the gathering was actually playable it's actually if we put it in today's context it's kind of like board games so if you think about like the general demographic of a board game uh the general demographic is usually on the older end of still like the 20s and 30s so uh the most most before 20 don't aren't aren't typically into board games and of course you know people come at me and say you know there's oh no my nephew really loves this board game and like yeah sure like everybody play monopoly but like generally the target audience of that isn't really like the pre-20s it's usually on like 20 plus uh, maybe even 30 plus and sure it's 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 e for everyone but you know you know what i mean uh but pokemon was like targeted to the to like the the five and up so a lot of the time it's really kids that are playing it and the thing about kids is that you know much like cigarettes if you get them early they'll keep on coming back and uh, sure some of them will grow out of it the same way that not everybody who smokes a cigarette will get into cigarettes but a lot of them will continue on and as a result there's a there's a lively and there's a, like a youthfulness to these kind of uh, these kind of of card game players that are never before seen so it actually lowered kind of the target audience of card games in generals for the for for card games in general uh it, sorry so it actually lowered the average like age of card game players where it used to be like 20 pluses 20 plus ish now it's more like five six seven eight plus ish uh so yeah so that kind of success actually led on to these like companies look deeper into other names out there and uh, try and recreate at least on a smaller scale because pokemon was so huge at least on a smaller scale that kind of success so they were looking at things like in the 2000s by the time so pokemon came out in 1999 by you by year 2000 the very next year there you could see releases of like stellar moon or dragon ball z now these i would say it went back closer to less on the playing level it was more of a a um it was more on a collectible and you just look at them and it's kind of whatever but actually by the year 2001 it would another smash hit called Yu-Gi-Oh, which is a card game i've played a fuck ton of uh, came out and it was kind of quietly a smash hit so it didn't have like the bombasticness of uh pokemon and it didn't like get on the news as much as uh, pokemon did but it was you know statistically and numerically it was uh it was a very popular card game and the numbers did reflect that and as a result uh, people were like like kind of revisiting going back again they they kind of had some hesitation in the 2000s uh after they couldn't find anything that quite matched pokemon but by 2001 and 2002 when Yu-Gi-Oh first came out this was as close as it could get to something like pokemon so again we reopened the the library and looked at what we could take a look at so between 2003 and 2012 you can see stuff like dual masters beyblade gundam one piece inuyasha zatch bell detective conan Yu-Gi-Oh Hakusho, and all of them you know again they were most of them were middling success and as a result the big three for the most part was magic the gathering Yu-Gi-Oh, and pokemon not in that order the order would probably be magic the gathering pokemon then Yu-Gi-Oh. 
and those three would reign supreme and the others are just there and most of them would die so and this is without even talking about like and i just gave you a small list of just card games in general there's still stuff uh that are on more on the western side so you could think of chaotic or you could think of um the wild tcg and even though some of them still hold some level of value in like the collector market generally like those are dead products uh they're not they weren't necessarily dead on arrival but it pretty much did die soon after and by but during that time, there is one card game that I think actually did turn uh, the fate of anime card games in general. Because if we look at this holistically, the amount of failures outweigh the amount of successes, like probably 100 to 1. And this is normal in any sort of business. Like most businesses will fail, you know, within X amount of months, within X amount of years. And this is completely normal for so many card games that have not worked out. But one card game that did work out was called Way Schwartz. Now, Way Schwartz is a it's a very interesting card game because I know a lot of people collect them, but it is a playable card game and I've actually played some of it and it has a very neat gimmick. So, uh, it, it really, Way Schwartz, unlike most TCGs that have sets that are like kind of compound on each other and they expand the library of cards kind of vertically in the sense that you know you have set one of magic set two of magic set three of magic and sure you know they give them fancy names like pokemon base set jungle set etc etc but like at the end of the day there's like one two three four five what way schwartz did is that it released card games kind of horizontally so you would so way schwartz's gimmick is that it takes like these smaller name anime series and creates a set around them and you could buy those cards and play with them and you could play with other sets other anime sets and you could you know you can have for example uh fate stay night versus um horimiya or something i don't think there's horimiya so uh, let's say uh uh haruhi suzumiya you can have like those two which are like completely different and completely have no relationship on like universally but you can have their characters fight against your characters and that's super neat and finally why the collector market actually exists is because a lot you have in each box a chance to pull a card a hollow card and you know that's completely that's that's universal across most card games but that but apart from just having a chance to pull a hollow card you have an even rarer chance of pulling a hollow card that's also signed by the voice actor of whatever character is supposed to represent now I, I can't think of any voice actors off the top of my head but and these are kind of limited to only Japanese ones I believe uh, but essentially if you're a fan of you know if you're a fan of Fate Stay Night and you really love uh, uh, can't they make a character fuck it's been so long um rin i think there's a character called rin and you really love her and you're like a super fan then you you know you could buy a, a set of fate stay night you could have a chance of pulling a hollow rin and you can have a even rarer chance of buying uh, of obtaining a hollow rin signed by rin's voice actor voice actress i suppose and you know that's that's a gimmick that a super fan would kind of like and what's interesting about Way Schwartz is that what happened, I would say, is that a lot of the 2003-2012 era, because they kind of, they kind of just like try and look for series that were kind of big, but honestly, like none of there's very rarely a series that's big enough to be able to carry a whole card game. And let's take for example, Inuyasha. So Inuyasha. Uh, if you lived in when it was, you know, airing, it, it is by far one of the more popular series of that time. But 
if you think of how many sets you can really create around it what like how many like Yu-Gi-Oh for example sure it, you could say that it, it was mainly based on one era but after that they did take they really hard deviated into like different things their archetypes are very creative and in Nuyasha, because you're so you're limiting yourself to the world of Inuyasha, you can't really have much to work with, if we're being very honest. And that's the kind of thing. So what Way Schwartz did is that instead of focusing on one big series, they kind of gave you like buffet styles. Sure, like each series might not be like as well defined, but each series does have their own play style. And even within that play style, there's like these mini play styles that, you know, for example, a Rin deck or a Ah, fuck, why do I pick Fate Stay Night? I actually like, don't remember much about Fate Stay Night, but like, let, let, let's say... Whew. Um, okay, well, let, let, I, I, okay, so it doesn't exist, but let's say Inuyasha... It, let's say... Uh, uh, fuck me. So yeah, either way, you wish words, uh, pretty much each anime had their own set, and each set had their own like subsets, uh, subtypes, or whatever. And you could play with something like that. So you could find your niche within a niche, and then but but the fact that it was playable with each other, and it was also able to kind of merge all these like little properties that would have never made it on their own, but that had their own level of fans, uh, pretty much solve one part of the equation in terms of just limiting the amount of dying card games that were kind of just following the hype and uh, don't have much to go. So. It's uh, that I think I think Way Schwartz is run by Bushy Road, um, and it, Bushy Road is also like tangentially related to other card games like Vanguard and and other stuff like that that have their own level of popularity. I think I don't personally I'm not a huge fan of Vanguard and stuff like that, but you know th there are fans of that. Uh, so after that in 2017, uh, so this was the introduction of Dragon Ball Super. Now Dragon Ball was Dragon Ball is one of those rare series that actually do have a lot of things they can pull from so it's a vast series and for the most part their fans are super fans so Dragon Ball Super with the uh, announcement of the series uh, they, they matched it with a card game that it was based on Dragon Ball Super but it also kind of revisited a little bit of the past and overall it's a it's a pretty well designed game it's an interesting enough game and what's more important is that it was actually well supported so Dragon Ball Super, I believe, if you were really into card games, there's not actually that many places you could play, like, super competitively. Uh, so, the reason why Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, and Yu-Gi-Oh! specifically is more on the popular end is because there are places you can actually go and play. So, whether it be local level, regional level, uh, tour level, or uh, cup level, and I'm going to throw these terms in because they, they flip-flop between each uh, card game, but they're usually the same thing. Uh, but there's regional levels, national levels, international levels, and worlds. Uh, there's usually some variation of that within one from one card game to the other. And the problem with a lot of the the ones that died is essentially that they were just expected for you to buy, to collect, and then nothing. There's like there was no long-term plan with what you're supposed to do with it. And as a result, you were just stuck with cards and nothing to do with them. And sure, you could like frame them, you can send it over to CCG, or you could send it over to uh, Beckett or something to get having graded. But at the end of the day, you you know you're just looking at them. And most kids and most people in general don't just like collecting things for the sake of collecting. 
um, or buying products just for the sake of having that product, you want to actually be able to use it. But Dragon Ball Super actually did introduce support and there was cash prizing, there were tournaments being taken place. And as a result, it kind of leveled up what is actually needed from a card game. And as a result, also, it kind of created a barrier of entry so that if you can't at least match Dragon Ball Super in the terms of support that it's being given, you know, don't even bother. Like, don't even bother releasing something. And sure, some of them will still continue and try. But after 2017, we saw like this slow down and a little bit more like thoughtful introduction uh, of these sort of card games. And for the most part, we can... I don't want to say thank because Bandai is an overall good company uh, for the most part, at least in my opinion. But Bandai does actually have a strong idea of how they want to run their card games. And they would actually introduce over time two other card games that kind of cemented their spot as like top card games that you can play. Uh, especially if you're a fan of those animes or, or mangas. And after 2017, pretty much the number, the straight quantity of animes being used as the basis for card games diminished quite a bit uh and, and pretty much you know it was just a natural filter and it's like if like i said if you're not able to support it down the line don't even bother it uh, was a point so by 2021 we saw the introduction of digimon tcg digimon D tcg isn't the technically the first tcg it was kind of like a reboot the first tcg kind of sucked suck cock especially in com comparison to pokemon which is like its most direct competitor uh, because they fulfill a lot of the same niches and it was just wasn't good but you know there is a a pretty fervent digimon fandom out there and what band again bandai came in and, and just offered tcg products and also offer tcg tournaments and tcg um places that you could just compete in and at the end of the day that's that's the kind of thing so bandai what's interesting is that did what bandai did instead of actually uh doing the way short style and having you know way uh and having dragon ball on one end digimon on the other end and the one i'm talking about next uh on the other end they actually decided to to just sell three different products with three different rule sets and as a result you could pick your poison um and, and that's how they decided to do it and for the most part it is working and dry and digimon was was pretty good i i, I quite enjoyed digimon the play style is, is quite fast and there's a lot of give and take and um it's it's relatively interesting i do think the cards are kind of like kind of mod feels kind of boring uh but overall you know I'm, I'm not like the biggest digimon fan ever so it's not you know the target audience isn't necessarily me so i'm not gonna talk too much about that and then the reason why I actually started this video was actually the 2022 uh, out came One Piece. Uh, One Piece was celebrating its anniversary and came out with uh, again from Bandai uh, its own uh, its own card game. And for the most part, you know, if a if a company has like two you kind of thinking like, yeah, you could kind of work with that. At three, I was having my doubts. But, you know, over time, with us being like almost midway through 2023, two-fifths or whatever, uh, with us being like a two-fifths of the way into 2023, I thought, uh, you know, overall, it seems like they're supporting it at least to the same level that they are the others. Um, and for the most part, it's a healthy, growing, uh, growing series. For a lot of it comes down to the fact that like like i said the 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 source material has a lot to work with but more importantly uh, i i do believe that it is being properly supported for for its consistent growth and for to give a reason to people to play with them so yeah that's that's really just the kind of brief history lesson of card games i'm sure if you did your own research you would learn a little bit more and i did skip over some large parts 
because like I said, I, I kind of want to focus on the anime part. But yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. Uh, this is kind of like a passion for me. I, I love card games in general. Um, and I'm not... I, it's just, which is weird because like a lot of the, th the things that card game players would usually like like tangentially like board games and stuff I'm actually not that into um, so so yeah uh, this is really just what I want to look at there's like there's like an interesting history in terms of anime card games but for the most part I think we are heading in a better direction it, we're not just being like flooded with these kind of throwaway card game series and the thing with throwaway card game series it kind of devalues every other card game so i'm really happy where where anime and manga card games are going i feel like there's a little bit more thought and sure we could nick it nitpick on what's good and what's bad but overall i think uh there is a little bit more forethought than what had happened in the past and generally even though i don't necessarily like that bandai is like kind of monopolizing all of them they they, they do have the right to do so so you know what can i say Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, come back next week. We will have something else for you. Uh, this was just something that was in my mind. That's a lot of these ramble episodes are kind of like that. If there's something that interests me, then I'll just talk about them. And this time, it was card games, um, which is another one of my passions. I, I, I could have maybe done a podcast on that instead. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. Have a nice one, dummies.